Welcome to another episode. This is episode 25 of the Homestead Shop Talk with Ben from Holler Homestead, Al from Lemon Acres, and myself, Jason, from Sow the Land. And today's topic, since we've been getting a bunch of rain, or at least, I know, Al, you got a bunch of rain this year, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, currently, this over the weekend, we got a bunch of rain in North Carolina where we're at. Um, so we're going to just talk about uh, designing a homestead to be drought resistant and flood resistant. Kind of our thoughts with that. Um, but first, we're going to be talking about our week and seeing what exciting things we got into this week. <laughs> so if you hear coughing in the background, I apologize. Uh, we have been visited by the plague this past week. Oh, man. Um, we, uh, you know, there's a few people coughing at our last class, and I didn't really think anything of it. Um, and probably, I don't know, within four days, uh, I think it was Brett, the middle boy, he uh, he went down first, you know, started running a fever, feeling real crummy, uh, and then he was out of it, and then the next one went down, and then Meg got it. Meg was sick on, like, Thursday and Friday, and it was just one of those, you know, with the fever, uh, it's like fever and a cough and some congestion. Um, it's interesting to see as it works its way through the house, uh, <laughs> some of the kids are, you know, like flu-like symptoms and some of them just want to sleep. I haven't gotten it. I, uh, I have a pretty, pretty, uh, big regiment of vitamins and minerals and things that I take supplements and, uh, I haven't gotten it. I feel fine, you know, knock on wood, but, uh, right now it's, it's me and, you know, one of the twins, Jack, he's, we're the only two in the house that haven't got it. And I noticed he was kind of looking peaked today, so he might be coming down with it. So we'll see. So far, who's going to go down first? Yeah, <laughs> see if see if he gets it or if I get it. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what we've been dealing with. Uh, it, while Meg was out, like she doesn't usually go down like that. Usually, she still, even though she feels crummy, she'll still kind of function. Uh, uh-uh, not this one. She was in bed literally from. <laughs> you know, the time she got it until I think Saturday, she like, she lost a full 24 hours that right when she got it. Um, so yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm glad this hit towards the end of the week. Like we, uh, we don't have anything to film. Like <laughs> it's actually perfect timing. We got really nothing going on. Um, we were supposed to go to a friend's Christmas party this weekend. It was like, yeah, no, not going to be those people and bring whatever this is. So yeah, we just we've just been kind of laying low and just it's perfect time for it. We had so much rain this weekend, we just sat indoors and watched YouTube and just kind of relaxed and worked on getting over it. Did you ever get a new winch? I haven't I haven't dealt with any of that. Uh, this coming weekend, <laughs> we're doing our our steer, and I keep you know sitting here sitting here with sick people. It's like well, I need to go out there and like deal with that winch and see if I can fix it, see if it's something fixable, see if I can, I don't have the box anymore, so I can't take it back. Yeah, we'll see. That's that's something I got to go deal with. I, I may just use the tractor for the steer, you know, seeing as it's just one animal and you don't have to completely pick the animal off the ground while you're processing, um, eviscerating. So we'll see. I may just, I may just use the tractor rather than running around, getting a new winch and all that. 
you don't have to worry about doing any dunking and scalding or anything either, so. Yeah, no, you don't really dunk a cow. Nope. And that ass, I mean, actually, that, that, it's uh, easier, in, in that way, it's easier to skin a cow than it is to dunk a pig. <laughs> in that sense. I think what's nice is, like, honestly, you know, because he's halter broken, we can lead him. I can lead him to where we want to shoot him, and we can, you know, just drop him, and we can do him right there. Um, you don't even have to pick up the animal, you know, especially, you know, I don't have to walk out in the field and shoot him and bring him to the barn. I can just walk him to where we need him, walk him up out of the mud, um, do him right there and straight into the cooler he goes. Um, I, I guess that's one of the positive things about having very handled animals is, uh, you know, you can do stuff like that. I know there's people out there that are going to be like, you know, how could you, how could you, you know, do that to an animal that trusts you? And it's like, well, it's better than the alternative of him going to a slaughterhouse and getting, you know, kicked around and scared to death. You know, he's not even going to know that it's going on. You know, it's uh, technically yeah. as long as it's a good shot, what you want. he won't even, he won't even realize it. It'll be grass and hay in his mouth and, Lights out. He won't even have a bad day that he knows about. No, he. That's ideal. That's right. that's a a right. good life. Well, I mean, he he is a. The boys on the homestead usually have a have at least two bad days. Um, you know, because there's the castration that goes on. So we we've, we've been dealing with the plague. I had it last week, and now the girls came down with it this weekend. So. Oh, you got it yeah. too, huh? Is it the same thing? Is it a fever? I don't know if I ever got a fever, but I had like the sweats and the chills, and yeah, I started like draining my lymphatic system. And when I would I would wake up in the morning, my whole bed was soaking wet. Like, mm. but I wasn't like sweating. I wasn't having a fever. It's just draining the lymphatic system. It's just getting everything out. It was like pretty intense. It's been mostly my voice and coughing. I've called a few places lately. Like we were we rented a lift, and I went back today, and I called the guy, and I was talking with him, and he answered the phone. I'm like, oh you've got it now and he's like yep I, and he's like another state away he's like three hours away so you know it's just it's going around everywhere it seems like there's like almost every other person we talk to has it right now haven't got it yet you haven't you're lucky it just i don't know for me it lingered body aches cough sore throat i guess it's nah. a season yep. yeah yeah that sounds that sounds like exactly what's going through our house right now we have a natural doctor we use and I called him up and he was like, oh yeah, that's what's going around. Do this, 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 and this, and it's going to take a while. I'm like, that's not what I want to hear. <laughs> but besides that, we've been working on the barn, trying to get that. We got all, so we had, we rented a lift that went back today. So we were trying to get all the high stuff done, which is kind of working backwards. We get all the upper siding done, which you should start at the bottom and work your way up. But we worked it like from the top halfway down. <laughs> to get all the high stuff done. I wanted to get all my exterior lights up and stuff like that. So that way when the lift went back, I didn't have to worry about getting up high. So we'll see how it goes putting the lower siding on maybe this week. I'm hoping to, but we woke up to an inch and three quarters of rain overnight and then changing over to snow. And our road down below where we have a brook, the brook was up over flooding out the fields. And then there's like a couple of like over, overflows and, and that like little low spot of our driveway, it came up over the road. And I've never seen our road flooded out like that before. Not during the springtime, not during the summer when we've had a ton of rain. So wow. I don't know 
I'm kind of wondering like how everybody else did like the places that really got flooded out bad this summer because we had like I don't know I don't know if it's like been like a once in a lifetime rain season this year or what but there's been a lot of areas that flooded just with like nonstop rain so it'll be interesting to see that's crazy I know and every time I go in the woods the woods are just flooded out because there's no place for the water to go we're just so saturated so yeah it's pretty much our week is just kind of dealing with the crud and trying to work through it at the same time and keep progress going on the homestead. Yeah. How, how's Start your milk cow real. going? The milk cow? It is. The milk cow is going good. We've been having an issue finding a way to get her bread. We don't have a bull. And we we're like, oh, she was AI'd before. We bought her. She was like an hour-ish, hour and a half from where we got her. And she was AI'd. And we're like, there's dairy farms in the area. We'll just get, hire somebody to AI her. Well, nobody in the area AIs her because there's like one big dairy farm in the area. They bought up all the little guys and they do all their own AI. So there's no no AI techs in the area. So it's kind of like, mm. uh, so now we've been trying to figure that out. Yeah. So, I mean, she's going good. It's going good with her. We're still milking her. So we just got to figure out how to get her bread for next season. But yeah, the calf is, he's probably what, eight months old now? Yeah, I think it's about eight months old. So this time next year, we'll probably be butchering him. We'll be in Ben's position this time next year. <laughs> cool. You plan on doing it yourself, Al? We do. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to having the the beef in the freezer, the ground beef, the steak. So yeah, it's one of those things. Like Ben said, it's bittersweet. It's an animal you've raised for a year and a half almost, and you handle them constantly because if you're milking your dairy cow, then you're calf share and you're handling them a couple of times yep. a day and so you it's not like a pig pigs are different i feel like you know you yeah, yeah you go out there you feed them but you don't really yeah yeah you don't form a relationship with them but so that will be that'll be different meat birds yeah meat birds you don't form a relationship meat with birds you don't care so. about yeah it, something about I that bigger that, animal i think the only way it would be worse is if he was like a bottle baby uh I think right. that would be that'd be a lot harder, but you know he's kind of got a bad attitude sometimes, so it's just like you know what, I think I can do this. It's still gonna be hard because I'm I'm like the one person that he he knows and trusts the most, so it's just kind of like it's a weird feeling. Ours is that way. He's kind of got like a weird side to him, so he's really great, but then on the other times he just kind of gets under your nerves and just knows how to push your buttons, and so <laughs> like you said, that'll kind of make it a little easier. <laughs> So this week, you know, I started that high tunnel. Um, so, so far it's going pretty good other than a, a few rocks that I've hit with the, with the poles. I guess that was bound to happen. I was hoping it <laughs> yep. wouldn't happen, but, but it did. And I guess that's what, what the holdup is. And then the, uh, that gas powered pounder though, that I have, I mean, man, that thing is my hired help. Like that, <laughs> that is my best friend right now. Like I'm like, I'm getting my money's worth off of that thing with the, with the fencing and then with that. And then with the high tunnel, it's been working really good. I mean, it's not going to bust through rock. Right. Um, but so like I had to, I had to take a couple poles out after I put them in because the rock was just in the way. It's like, I mean, the way they did the high tunnel was the there's like a skinny part kind of like a it's 
it's bent part at the end so that way the arches can slip right over it so i couldn't just like if it's if i hit a rock i can't just like cut it to length that's because so, those pipes are shrunk down i know what you're talking about yeah it's it's hard to, for that yeah i know exactly what you're talking about we had the same problem when we were pounding all our posts in for ours man don't mushroom them because they won't fit yes so that's another thing uh, the the gas powered pounder will mushroom mushroom them out um which i wasn't kind of i was kind of not paying attention I, I did like a first few and i was like oh wait a minute and then uh it, they did send me like a pounder like uh that to help prevent that yep um and included with the kit um but the thing broke on me because <laughs> part of it goes into the uh mm -hmm. the pipe and then the other part goes into the pounder and as and as i was pounding it like the skinny part that goes in the pipe broke in half and the uh farmer's friend guy saw saw my video and he 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 uh messaged me he was like hey i'm gonna send you a new pounder so which is cool <laughs> but i'm not gonna get it for like another week man uh, bring that sucker over like i got a lathe down in the barn i can whip one up real quick yeah it's just a solid piece of metal um, which is it was crazy how it broke. I mean, it was just like a solid piece of metal. But um, so what I ended up doing, which has been working, is I had a the cutoff piece that I used for because I hit a rock. I I had to cut it out, uh, cut out a little section of the pipe. Um, I've been using that to slip it over, mm. and then pounding that, and that actually works really good. Like I almost like. I'm not going to use the other thing that it comes with. Cause why not just use like, that's perfect. It was perfect. Kind of like, like it's mushrooming, mushrooming idea. that excess piece, but, and it's working pretty good so far. So I want, I wonder if they could make that tapered end on the arch. So that way, if you hit on your, if you hit a rock on your post, you could cut the post down yes. and then have the, have it kind of going backwards. I don't know if it's something like you could be like, "Hey, farmers friends, you might want to." Yeah, <laughs> I I did think about that, like <laughs> writing a, a, a writing a note to myself saying <laughs> things I would change, um, right? Because it's going to happen. You're going to hit a rock. Like yeah. we did, we hit plenty thing. of rocks doing ours. Yeah, it's not a perfect world. You know, you don't have perfect soft grass like the other ones I've put in. That's how it was. It didn't have a tapered end. Cause I yep. just made it up myself. And if it, if it didn't go all the way down, you just cut it. Right. No big deal. You don't have to take it out and then cut it and then put it back in. I already did one side with the baseboards and everything. So I'm, I'm doing the other side now. Um, but I think once I get that in it, everything else should go pretty quick. How long is the greenhouse? 72 feet. Wow. By 16 feet wide. Long. That's a lot of plastic. You got to pull. Yeah. I may call in some reinforcements for that one. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need some reinforcements. <laughs> and, and not do it on a windy day. <laughs> yeah. Just say the word. Early, early in the morning. Yeah, not a windy day. And I was, uh, Someone has mentioned it to me that I should do it when it was like kind of warm out because the, the plastic will stretch mm -hmm. better. Yep, yep. Versus if it was cold, then it would like get floppy as it yeah, heated up or something. Yeah, you don't know. want to do if it when it, what did they tell me when we did ours? It's like a temperature range. You don't want to do it when it's too cold because it won't stretch and it'll, it's like shrunk. 
you want to do it like, I don't know if it's like 60s and 70s because it's warm, it's pliable. But if you do it when it's too warm, then you put it on. When it gets cold out, like in the fall and winter, it'll shrink and it can break hmm. because it's been stretched so far. I think it says in the uh, the booklet they send you, I want to say oh, that was okay. that was in there somewhere. But yeah, it's like there's a temperature range. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I got to pay attention to that when I come to it. Um, what else? So uh, with all this rain we've been having last this last weekend, I fill up my 1,000-gallon tank filled up. Nice. nice. Which before this weekend, I was at 500 gallons. Wow. So in two days, it filled up to a thousand. Awesome. Which I wonder if it would have filled up from empty if you got that much rain. I don't think so. No. It probably just filled up halfway because it's not overflowing or nothing. Oh, it's not. Okay. No, it it just like just enough. Gotcha. Like if we had another day of rain, I'm pretty sure it would have overflowed. Yeah. About that. I guess the next step is trying to figure out I need to get I need to get some like a pipe to it to to start using some of that water. Right. But a lot of people were concerned of it, of it freezing. Like, oh, what about freezing? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think it'll freeze. I don't think it will. It would take a lot. Take a lot. Have you had your IBC tote freeze? I mean, the, the faucet definitely does freeze. Yeah. Um, right. But the actual water in the tank, I don't, I don't think I have. I don't think it has. Maybe like yeah. the top part of it. Yeah, I noticed uh, last yeah last December, uh, right at Christmas when we had that cold blast, um, down at around nine degrees. Yeah, uh, like you could see the ice was like that thick in it. Yeah, for the people I'm holding up like I don't know nine inches something like that. Uh, for the people <laughs> yeah. who are just listening, um, like the ice was pretty thick because you can see through those IBC totes. But yeah, like nothing burst nothing broke i suppose if it was like a you know that cold for weeks and weeks and it froze solid you might have to worry about it but you know yeah it's not that cold here no that's good there's a reason why we moved here al <laughs> 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 uh yeah so i'm yeah I'm, I'm excited about that like it makes me want to get it's kind of addicting saving saving rainwater because it it's so simple the idea you know but unfortunately the tanks cost a, a fortune so so i can't get carried away about it but like i want to attach another thousand gallon tank right there but i i gotta use this one first i'm gonna wait <laughs> you're gonna have to get one of those big metal twenty thousand gallon ones next <laughs> i know right. i know I'm like what are we gonna do with all this water uh <laughs> Start drinking it. <laughs> we'll need it for the greenhouse. Yeah, for the greenhouse. Yeah, I'm gonna need one for that. Your dairy so. cow. Once you get her, you should yeah. take lots of water. <laughs> I know. All those animals I'm getting this 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 coming up year. Oh, you said you need more beef cows. I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do they say? A cow drinks forty gallons a day, something like that. Is it forty gallons? Mm. Wow. So yeah, so I'm excited about that, and then um. Yeah, I think that's about it. We made uh, tamales yesterday. What is a tamale? I've never had oh, a tamale. Oh, wow. Tamale. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so tamale is like a, it's it, you, so you have like, it's like, corn, it's like a corn, I guess, corn tortilla. 
and it but it's the like the dough and you spread it on um uh corn husk, corn husk. Okay. and then you and then you put a filling of like say like we use shredded pork and um like usually like some kind of chili or salsa uh some people put cheese and then you just put it inside the corn husk with that filling and then you wrap it like kind of like a present and then you steam it i've seen people we we steamed it or you could put it in the oven and then after steam it's done it all the way yeah and then after it's done you just uh unroll it kind of like a present and then it's almost <laughs> like this intact like uh i don't know kind of like a not a burrito but it's like has the the filling and then the uh corn is all cooked together and you eat it like that gotcha you know what masa is yep uh okay so it's like the corn portion uh is just masa you roll it out like you put it on your corn husk and then yeah it's kind of like a burrito you put your meat in the middle you roll the whole thing up in the corn husk and then close it up and steam it and when they come out it's all like congealed into one delicious little like masa and meat i like hot tamales those are my favorite put some hot peppers or you know cook your cook your meat in something spicy and then oh man it's it's tamale season we usually we usually do tamales (laughs) around christmas too i love tamales so it's like a burrito or a taco but it's like the cooking process that's different more than anything yeah yeah i guess yeah they're kind of their own thing really like uh, they're definitely like I've never seen like a totally Americanized tamale. Like they're very, you know, south of the border, awesome cuisine. They're they're delicious. So they were big yeah, my... in California. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like oh, Spanish. Yeah. Like my my grandma, I grew up my grandma always made them. My other grandma made them. I mean, my grandma's from LA. She's LA Mexican. Not from Mexico, <laughs> but she's from LA. And uh she made them every year, so we would always make them and help her make them. And then uh, I have family in in New Mexico that would make them. So growing up, we'd always we'd always even Lorraine's family too. We'd always make them. But ever since you know we moved out here, it was like no more tamales. A year round thing usually. Usually it's usually it's like Christmas time. Okay. Because it's so much work. It's labor intensive. Yeah, so it's, it's like one of those things where you just like buy the stuff. You invite family over, and in one day or two days, whatever, you make a ton of them. And then uh, everyone can take some home. <laughs> That's why it's like once a year type of thing. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, I figured we'd try it, and we tried it with our pork cool. um, and our lard, and came out came out good. There was one year we, me and Meg sat and made tamales, and we made a bunch. Just me and her, I think we probably made like, I don't know, 10 dozen it was a bunch and uh yeah. they wound up too dry oh man that was the biggest letdown because you go through all that work and then you you know you fill up your steamer pot and you finally you steam them you cook them and then you you know you got to eat that first one and you open it up and like the masa was crumbly and it's just like when you get that dry masa it's like ash in your mouth it's just oh this <laughs> is terrible no no amount of sauce can like dress it up uh but yeah, after that we we figured out it was like okay, like lard is your friend when you're making uh, tamales. 
Yes. Nice, nice greasy meat is actually really good too because then it like really flavors the masa. But yeah, you don't want no dried mollies. You guys been getting a lot of lard off the guinea hogs, Ben? Oh boy, howdy. You know what? If I think about it tomorrow, I'll walk out in our our freezer <laughs> where we've got all the lard. Uh, I yep. think okay, at this you point, a freezer full of lard. Yeah, like at this point, if I wanted to like fill up a swimming pool and go swimming in lard, I could. Like, we probably have, <laughs> we're probably nearing two hundred pounds of lard. Like, there is so much lard at this point. Is that just from this year, or is that some leftover from last year? That's just from this year. Wow. You know, at this point, we guinea hogs are mostly. Uh. Yeah, mostly mostly from the guinea hogs. Let's see. We're at five pigs right now. We still have two more to do. Uh, so, yeah, there's going to be even more lard. But, yeah, it's a bunch. It, it, is, <laughs> it is a bunch. Uh, I guess I it really hadn't set in. And uh, me and Meg went shopping today. You know, we walked down to the barn and picked up some pork and then walked up to the, the shed freezer and got some chicken and when we got in that shed freezer, I didn't realize that was where all the, the lard had been stashed. And I was like, I opened that freezer, I look in, and I was like, holy lard, Batman. Like, this is a bunch of fat. Okay, yeah. So let's talk about the topic. So <clears throat> so what do you guys think about it? So homestead, designing a homestead to be drought resistant and flood resistant. So I'll just start with this. So we've had our we've had our property for three years now. The first year, it was a drought, like the driest it's been in a long time. Then the second year, it started off dry in the summer, and then it was wet. And then this year, it's been like the wettest in probably like 50 years, like the most rain we've ever gotten. So it's kind of like, how do you design a homestead that's resilient for both? You know, that's always that's just like something that's constantly on my mind. So it's like, okay, you want to make sure you can, you can, your land can hold the water for when we get a drought. But you also got to make sure that your land can let the water go, I guess, at the same time. So you're not drowning your animals or, you know, your pasture is not too soggy. So when the animals go out, they're not rutting everything up and getting hoof rot and stuff like that. So it's like, how do you how do you design that? Well, when you first move to a property, I think it's it's good to like, I think it's hard, but I think you'll kind of know over time as you're there. You know, like almost like the the land's gonna speak to you and be like, okay, this is where you're having problems. <laughs> yeah, because right away yeah, you're I, just like, man, what do I do? I think this is a highly relevant topic for kind of how like our summer, our fall for you know me and Jason where we're at, uh, and then you know like where you're at, Al. You've had all the rain and we've had none. Like we we've just come out of what like five months of drought. Um, I mean, we've got, it's not like a California drought, like me and Jason have lived with, but I mean, it got kind of, kind of hairy there for a little bit. It was like, if we don't see any rain, yeah. like, you know, uh, early, early on in the summer, I don't know why I just had this weird feeling we were going to have, you know, a lot less rain than we usually did. And so one of the ways we kind of insulated ourselves, uh, you know, against drought, was just mulch the heck out of everything. Like we mulched everything and mulch works up to a point. Uh, but once it gets so dry, 
you you're kind of at a loss because if it does rain well now your your mulch is going to soak up all your moisture before it even gets to the ground and so it's it's just this weird it's yep. this weird place to kind of find yourself it's like what is the sweet spot you know how how much mulch you know really the more organic matter you get in your soil the better water retention you have you know i think this is kind of getting into permaculture territory this this topic um isn't that like the number one rule is you just observe first. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that's, that's absolutely the first thing we did. We got here and, you know, I, we were talking earlier. Um, the year we got here was one of the wettest years uh, they've had around here. You know, just like you were saying, like wettest in like 50 years or something like that. Um, we got 80 inches of rain the year we moved here and, you know, we didn't, we didn't know that that was unusual. It was just like, wow, this is a lot of water. Does it rain this much in North Carolina? And yeah. people were like, well, yeah, it rains, but usually not this much. And it was just kind of, it was crazy because it was like, there's springs that, you know, since we've been here, we haven't had rain like that. And so these springs have dried up, um, this summer, the entire, you know, what is this? We're coming into our fifth year here. And the springs that are usually always running, we always have a creek on the property. Well, this year they completely dried up and they're like dry, dry. The, uh, the swamp that has always been just a, uh, you know, haven for mosquitoes and frogs and critters. Uh, it pretty much completely dried up. There was still a little bit of water at the source of where the spring is, but we watched everything just dry up. So, I think I got off off track there a little bit. Uh, the heavy rain year, it was it was crazy because we got to see how the water moves off this property. Well, before we got here, a lot of the dirt work had already been done, and it's just uh, real subtle drainage ditches have been dug all along contour, all across our property, our neighbor's property, to where. It catches the water and diverts it, but it slows it down enough to where you don't have massive erosion. And whereas that's kind of cool if, you know, you're just trying to grow grass or something like that. Uh, but I guess the, the hard part is, is, you know, if we could convert all of these drainage ditches into swales, we could actually catch that water and hold on to it and get it to soak in rather than running off and ultimately leaving. So I don't know. I, you we got into this subject and it was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got a bunch on this. I love this. This is something we talk about like <laughs> weekly, but it's like one of those balancing acts. It's like, how do you, Yeah. I guess for us, one of the problems for us is we have really rocky soil. So like we have really good soil, but it's very bony and rocky too. So it's like, you can't just go and make contours and swales on our property because it just would take, I mean, you would lose so much topsoil and it would take you forever. But it's kind of like, how do you work with what you have? Like, I'm always out there observing it and seeing where the water's flowing and how it's, you know, coming and going. But how do you, how do you use what we have or make it work better for our advantage kind of thing? But I'd love to be able to do more swales, but I think that for our property, I think that's pretty much out of the question. I think for a lot of properties in New England, that's out of the question. It's pretty flat up where you're at. No, no, we're, we're hilly. hilly. So yeah. how come it's a no go on swales? Just just because of the rocky rocky soil? 
yeah, it would <clears throat> the rocky soil. Like we would lose a lot of the topsoil if we tried digging out and making swales. And I'm not saying we haven't and we haven't tried doing stuff, but it seems like you lose a lot of the topsoil and it takes you a lot of time for all the for doing all that. If that makes sense. You had to like dig yeah. through rock and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, big boulders and yeah. tearing up everything well, while you, you're building the swales. Yeah. yeah, once you get down probably two to three feet, you got really good clay and you don't have much rock, but the first couple of feet, it's, yeah, it's like, you know, your rocks like this, this, I mean, we have, we have some rocks that are like the size of a pickup truck <laughs> just <laughs> wow. sitting on the top. So we've, we've moved quite a few of those when we did the house and did some pastures and cleaned up the pastures. We put the big rocks in the edge of the pastures just because so that way we could get more hay and, you know, be able to grow more grass and pasture, but to do it be able to contour the land it would take a lot but so i'm trying to figure out how to make tons and tons of compost to put out on the pasture so we like i i know where all the water flows so it's kind of like okay the areas that the water really flows in like how can we make either contours or just be able to make like a big diaper out of a lot of compost yeah to kind There's of slow it down of, that way. A lot of organic like matter. But then one area where it flows, it's going down to like another level, and that level was cut. And so that area, I want to stump, just dig out the roots. Don't go crazy. But I think that area will be really fertile because it goes through one of the cow pastures and one of the areas where we run the chickens. And it, I think it's all going to settle down there. So that would be really a really fertile area. So I've never had it. This this year we've had so much rain. Usually, like you put your meat birds out, and like a week or two later, a couple of weeks later, you'll see like the green. This year we didn't get the green from the chicken manure because it got washed away. There's wow. just like that's a lot of rain. Yep. But there's a few areas where I think it's going. It's going in the forest, and there's one area that we that we had the pigs in last year. I think it was going down there, and we got the pigs in there. They did some rooting, so now it's time to clean that area up. And I think that'll make a really nice pasture for next year it is it's hard because it's a slow process you just got to observe and kind of pay attention and see what see what works and which isn't always easy when you want to go fast <laughs> amen no i think for me for me i want to do the um i think a pond is probably in my future of some sort um but i wanted to do that a thousand gallon rain tank first um I feel like it was too soon for a pond. You know, I had only been there at the time. I only been there like a year and I feel like that was way too soon to figure out where I want to do that. I feel like a pond is so permanent. <laughs> um, and to figure out where you want it. And now that I've been here, you know, almost two years now, two years next month, um, I definitely see where all the rain goes. Um, when it gets going pretty good, a creek forms right in the middle of my property. Oh wow! Um, which I know where it's coming from. It's coming from another property that was clear cut. That's next to me, and it's and they basically just ripped up all the not all, but they're like a good area of ripped up all the wood uh, and the trees, and so it's just dirt, and there's no covering. So all that dirt is washing off into my property and going. Sh through my property into the next property <laughs> when it rains. Um, 
so I'm thinking like maybe right there would be a good pond um, since the rain kind of comes right at that spot. And then there's another area where I'm losing, um, I guess it's a lot of erosion. Uh, it's kind of by my barn. It's like it's where I'm putting up the fence currently, which I know people in the comments were like, oh, you should uh, build a pond right there. Well, it's it's kind of like half on my property, half on another property. So it's not like, and it's right by the barn. So it's like, I'm not going to put a barn right by the barn. Right. Um, so now I'm thinking like, what if some kind of French drain I need to put um, just to kind of, so that, so that way the soil doesn't <laughs> leave, you know, cause it's basically, it's turning into a giant ditch. It's all coming from my big barn. And I, I think if I had a gutter on that thing and diverted that water a different way, then that would help with some of that erosion. I think that's my first step for me is, is getting gutters. I know putting in a French drain is a bunch of work, but man, do they work good once you finally get them in. Like that, that absolutely will help with you know, water problems. Um, but yeah, I feel you on the rain gutters. Uh, it's amazing how much rain gutters, just, just diverting your drip edges uh, will stop yeah. erosion right around your buildings. I think what's hard, like I know, I know where you're talking about, it's hard on that side of the barn because that's like the that's the north side. So it like you can't even plant cover crops down there to uh, kind of hold the soil. Like it's just kind of a weird spot. Yeah, it's kind of like a, I guess a funnel almost because when it rains good, all the water from the entire property comes down in this one point. Like everything comes down. Like that's how the it's everything sloped into one spot. And it's in that one little corner by the barn. <laughs> but when we moved in here, like our house didn't even have gutters. And then it we rain, it rained and I was like, we had water in our basement. And I was like, man, why is there water in our basement? You know, we had just moved in. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Let's just put gutters, see what that does. And that alone fixed the problem. Yep. Like we had no water in our, our basement ever since. I wonder if just putting animals on the land and rotating them, if that... Over time, that should help. I totally agree, but it's a slow process. Yeah. Especially like process. the year we've been having with all the rain, it's like, man, how? What, I, I think it's just that. I think it just takes time. Whether you're doing putting a bunch of compost down or doing animals or, bo or both, it just takes a while to get a lot of organic material in the soil. Doing the, the animal rotation... Uh, last winter, we parked the cows in a spot where there's never been grass. Um, it, there's no topsoil. Uh, the weeds won't even grow. The only weeds that do grow are poverty weeds, you know, stuff that only grow in messed up soil. Uh, I mean, that's that's what they're called. They're poverty weeds. It means you got poor soil. Uh, well, we parked the cow there and fed, you know, hay right in this spot. Uh, we made sure we'd left all the manure, all the hay, all of that, and we just left it. And then, you know, after a you know a month or two, she had churned it all up, tore it all up, manured everywhere. We moved her on out. And I, uh, you know, right at the very start of spring, it was like the end of February, I got my drag out and I <laughs> drug that thing around. I used the tractor. I smoothed everything out and then I seeded. I planted cover crop and grass seed. And wouldn't you know it, like 
this was the first summer there has ever been grass there. It was beautiful. Like it was lush. It was beautiful. And all we did was just add a little bit of organic matter. And one of the things, one of the benefits that happened just because we were able to get grass to grow there. Uh, once there's grass, there's no more mud running off of this, you know, area. Uh, it used to be that spot on the driveway is just mud. And it's because the, you know, the dirt, the clay washes off where the grass is supposed to be, washes into the driveway, and then covers up all my gravel with clay. Well, once we fixed that, it was just, it was interesting to see the gravel change color over the course of the summer. So it, you can do it in a fairly short amount of time. Uh, but it, it was a bunch of work. Like it was a bunch of work, you know, grass seeds, not cheap. And I put a bunch of grass seed, a bunch of cover crop. So yeah, you can, you can, you can improve stuff just by, you know, doing a little hard work and a bunch of organic matter. I mean, that was like bales and bales of hay that wound up on that, that part of the yard. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's amazing to see what just a little bit of organic matter does to stop the runoff. I think we put down like 12 or 15 round, bit, round bales of hay this year just for mulch hay in, in some spots. Oh. And then we're parking the cows this winter. It's probably like 100 by 100 area. And I'm curious to see what that area looks like come springtime versus the other areas that we move them around on all all summer. So I bet you it'll be good. I think so. It'll be interesting. But that's yeah. kind of a, it's a lower spot. So when it's super rainy or muddy right now, we keep them in the paddock. But when it's not, we leave, we bring them out. So I'm kind of hoping that it's a lower spot, but hopefully not like super low, but I'm hoping that also it'll help raise it up a little bit so we can keep the water from going there as much. Are you going to leave them all in one spot all winter? That's the goal. If we can, depending on how that area stays, we'll be moving them to the barn once the new barn's finished. And if it's really nasty weather out, they'll be staying in the barn for the, for that, but we don't want to leave them inside all the time. We'd rather have them outside during the day and just move them back in at night. I wonder if it'd be good to move them around and like, you know, dump a bunch of hay in different spots and then have them hang out there and then the, move them around in the other spot. The only hard part about that for us right now is we don't have like a lot of fencing up. So the ground will be frozen most likely if we mm -hmm. want to move again. So we won't be able to put any temporary fence posts in anywhere else. If the ground That's hard. That's yeah. stuff we don't have to deal with. It It's weird to have to <laughs> kind of think like, oh yeah, you can't use temporary posts because the ground's frozen. <laughs> We've yeah. never had to deal yeah. with that. Like the area we have, the barn and the workshop, that's all a newer area. And it's, I mean, it was just so wet this year. Where There's a new pasture area we're making. I mean, it came out, I'd say it's 60% grassed in, but it's not like it's native grasses. I didn't have a chance to get down there and drag it and seed it and put some Redmond's grow on it <clears throat> just because it was so muddy this year. So but that was like one of the goals was to get that area fenced in. And to have that as an area for this winter, but it, it never happened. So it's kind of one of those things. It's like you gotta you gotta try your hardest, but you kind of also gotta go. Okay, that was well, that wasn't our fault. Like we can only <laughs> we can only do what we can do. But yeah, it, that's the hard part. Is definitely with the winters, you gotta try to plan ahead. And if you can't get to it, or if something happens, you kind of 
you kind of got to figure out your plans as the weather allows you to. That makes sense. You think something like an aerator would be helpful? You know, one of those rolling pins that have the spikes on them? I don't, I think our soil would break it with all, all the rocks. I would oh, be, really? Yeah. I'd be afraid that it would it work. Have you guys tried so it with like your clay soil? I haven't tried it. No. I, I did one two years ago. Um, my friend Josh has a, uh, has one that I guess like his dad made or his grandpa made or something like that. So it's kind of a homemade jobber, but it's cool. Like it's made for towing behind a little yard tractor or a lawnmower or something. Um, and you can pile it like it's got a place where you can pile cinder blocks on it. So it'll punch all the way as deep as it can go. And so I drug this thing all over this property. It was, I think it was right when we got our cow. Uh, yeah, I, I dragged that thing everywhere. I put down seed. Um, yeah, I, I didn't notice a difference. Um, it spent a lot of time bouncing across the, the rocks because, you know, we have a lot of clay here. Uh, but we do have rocks and there are, there are portions of the property where there's a lot of rocks and I could always tell yep. where the rocks were because all of a sudden you feel that thing bouncing behind the lawnmower. It's like, Ooh, it's a little rocky, but I, I didn't really notice a difference. The thing that really made a difference for us here was, uh, our soil is extremely, uh, like low of calcium, I think is what it is. And so you just lime your soil and it fixes a lot of problems right out the gate. And so as soon as I, you know, figured that out and I started putting lime down, uh, all the grass seed that I had been spreading, all of a sudden that starts sprouting. So nice. the, the lime worked better than the aerator. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to do it, put the lime down the same time you do like do your lime first and then do your aerator and then your, uh, your grass seed and stuff like that. I think above all, I mean, I think just putting animals on the land, I mean, that should help it over time. At least you're doing something, you know, you're not just not doing anything or thinking about it, but you put animals on the land and over time, who knows in 20 years, <laughs> be perfect. Wait. Yeah, we're needing to deal with erosion now. I know. Right. <laughs> now, have you, did you find where the cows went last year, Jason? Have you seen a difference when we had the beefy boys? I mean, I had them all over. I had them everywhere. Um, okay. There's only two of them. So, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. I think having our chickens, you could definitely tell our chickens yep. did a, did a lot because I had them mostly on the bottom half of our property. And that part of the land is way better than the top part of our land. Yep. Um, How that's old why were, the, were the beefy boys when you put They were, well, according to the guy I bought them from, I got them when they were a year old, and then I had them a year, so they were two years old. They were two years old. They were a small two years. years. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They might have been a year and a half. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Weird question for you, Ben. So I know like, so our calf is only six months old, but the mother, she's probably a little over two now. And her cow patties are a lot bigger than his. So like, at what age do you think? Because how <laughs> old's your calf now? I'm, that, I'm sure that makes a difference for when you're getting them out on pasture and kind of trying to 
get some organic material down. So, um, <laughs> our, uh, we let our steer nurse all the way up until we sold our cow. Um, yep. we, uh, we were unsuccessful in getting that cow AI'd. Um, it was a long, arduous process. We, you know, the only, the, we only had one vet and she would come do the AI and she was un unsuccessful. It, the last time we did it, we thought it actually worked because uh, all the signs were right. But then, you know, because we track her heat cycles, you know, look on the calendar. She's probably going to come into heat this week. And sure enough. So that was kind of a bummer. But to answer your question, uh, that calf did not have regular cow plops until he started, uh, like until he was weaned. So he was, okay. you know, July was when we got rid of her. He was born in October. So he was almost two years old when he finally completely got weaned. You know, he didn't really nurse that often, maybe once a day. Right. Um, but he still was nursing and he still had those, uh, we call them, you know, milk plops because they're just, they're like hard and, black and they're different. just they're different um but as soon as he started eating nothing but grass and hay and all that i mean looks like your normal big green okay. cow pie gotcha yeah. that's not a weird question at all that's that's normal <laughs> for around here all right <clears throat> i was just kind of wondering like the beefy boys i wonder if they were having like the big ones or if they were smaller like our our calf we kind of make a difference when you're got the cows out on pasture if they're younger. For the people off. listening, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been looking for any more new animals there, Jason? I haven't been looking. No, no. it's it's always when I'm not looking that I'll oh. get animals. That it, <laughs> all of a sudden people tell me they have animals. <laughs> um, and when I'm looking for them, I, that's when I can't find them. Can't find them. <laughs> but. Uh, I'm hoping to get that. I'm hoping to get that fencing done. That's what I'm really trying to do. Well, the fencing and the greenhouse, I guess. But before I get any other animals, I really want to do that. But who knows? If if the opportunities there, I'll probably get them. Struggles real. Be sheep or cows. Oh yeah. What do you guys want to add next, Ben? Do you guys want to add anything else, or are you content with the pigs and? <clears throat> you know what? we've talked about it. Um, like there'll definitely be more lamb in our future, uh, because I really have enjoyed having lamb in the freezer. Um, I don't know if we, we want to raise them or if we'll just, you know, buy some and butcher them kind of situation. Um, but honestly, like I, I think we're going to look for some beef cow steer and we'll just do a steer. Uh, cause I, I you know, this cow we're getting ready to butcher. I'm real curious. I'll know I'll know in a week what his hanging weight is, but he's a jersey. He's a purebred jersey. So he's not a real beefy kind of guy. He's big because he's two, but he's not no have you ever beef had, cow, that's for sure. Have you ever had jersey meat? Yeah. Yeah. Uh the first cow the first see, like I I don't know. Maybe the jersey we got was kind of funky. Um, we uh, <laughs> we uh, bought like half a half or a quarter when we first got here, and it just had a weird flavor to it. 
So I don't know if that was Jersey per se, or if it was like bad practice at the processor. I don't know what the deal was. So we'll, we'll find out in, oh gosh, a couple weeks, uh, a week until we butcher. And then a couple weeks when we finally, you know, put him in the freezer. I think it'd be curious to get a, uh, a Dexter, Dexter cows. I would think that would be interesting to raise one of like a couple of those just to try it. I'd like to get a beefalo. A beefalo. We bought a half a Dexter one year and it was good. Tastes like beef. That's a dual (laughs) breed, right? Milking. Yeah. I think you can, I think you can milk them. I don't know. I guess I just like the little animals apparently. (laughs) (laughs) You'll go, you'll have like some miniature cows. I know. Scottish Highlander and miniature pigs, miniature miniature milk cow. (laughs) (laughs) Miniature horse. (laughs) You got snow right there today, Al? Yeah, we got two inches, I'd say. So, I think you're supposed to get some more come the end of the week. So we'll see. If it was any more colder last night, we definitely would have got snow, but just not the, just not right. What was the temperature last night? We were like 35 overnight. Well, no, it was, if it was colder, yeah. but it was like, what was it, 30s? It was like, I don't know, 35, 36, something like that. Uh, it's chilly. Actually, like, you know, we got this tin roof over our heads, and when I was laying in bed falling asleep, it did sound a little more like like snow or, you know, maybe ice hitting the roof rather than just rain. You know, it, the sound changes. It's, you know, less of a raindrop sound and more of like a tick, tick, tick kind of sound. So I kind of wondered if we were getting some flurries, but it was just everything was frozen this morning when I got up. I think that's it, uh you know, just kind of food for thought, I guess, just to kind of things to think about when uh, you're trying to figure out your land. And it's it's not easy, um, but I think putting animals on it is probably the best thing. If, if not any, if not whatever you can do, I think putting animals is the best thing you can do. Um, but I appreciate everyone listening and watching the podcast. Um you know, we enjoy doing it. We enjoy just talking, just talking shop. And uh, hopefully you guys get some value as well as you're listening to us. So thank you all for listening and watching. And hopefully everyone has an awesome week and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good weekend. Later.